Welcome to the Short Funk Podcast. I'm Tom Barbelay. Today, a question from listener Ron Kleiss. I'm not going to read out this question. I'm going to paraphrase it because certainly periodically I hear my friend Bruce Damer talk about, you know, whether there are people that kind of control the world or whether there are influences that have far more power than most and whether there are these family dynasties that control things in the world. And Bruce has a very interesting rap where he says, no, that's not the case. It's all chaos. It's all this kind of stuff. People that live in the UK don't have that view. They know that the House of Windsor controls everything. It really is a very curious new world perspective that there aren't families that have an overbearing control over things that they have no business in controlling. People that live in Saudi Arabia, people that live in the UK... People that actually pay some attention and live in the US all come to the conclusion very quickly that there are wealthy families that have amazing control. They might not influence every aspect of everyone's life, but they influence far more than they probably should. In the US, you know, it's hard to really recognize these families. Most of them run for president periodically, which is a good way of seeing that. But when you look at these families, when you look at the Bushes and the Clintons, they're not really the super rich. They're more the puppets of the super rich. And I think when you start looking at the super rich and you start seeing some of them are five generation, some of them are ten generation, some of them are three generation, you've got the likes of the Kennedys that are just plain stupid with their money. But I think there's certainly a very definite, well-defined 1% that you normally don't hear about. In fact, their whole purpose is not being heard about. But if you look at the House of Windsor, and if you look at the influence of the House of Windsor, it's just extraordinary, the rents and all the other ways in which the Crown extracts money from the population in the UK. Prince Charles notoriously sells trees back to himself, tax-free. You know, when you are under this influence, when you see this kind of power exerted very close to you, the whole nature of the being powerful families and this kind of stuff I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing that people in the New World don't feel that really heavily. But I think if people in the New World started to realise that in fundamental social repression terms, we could actually have a meaningful conversation about how we change this thing. But to ignore it, to say it isn't there, to say that no families have meaningful control, is to deny the influence of these incredible, powerful families and when I look at the royals in the UK, when I look at the royalty, they dodged a bullet in the 1900s. When the First World War occurred, it could have gone very, very differently. In fact, the lead up to the First World War is through social revolution, strikes, the rise of the working class, the rise of unionized labor. And there's a good amount of scholarship associated with the fact that the First World War, which is very curious, and I've already narrated this in a previous short funk, but if you look at the First World War, it makes absolutely no sense in terms of how this conflict came about. And if you look at the escalation, this kind of stuff, these are because the royals at the time, all over Europe, were really scared. It was far better to send people off to war than it was to potentially have these wars occurring within their own countries. Civil war, socially based civil war. And the UK was fermenting in that direction. If you read what was going on 1910, 1912 in the UK, union movements and the rise of the working class as a real power structure, the First World War really was designed to completely cut that thing off. 
And if you look at the legitimacy of the royal family in the UK, very, very, very thin. But if you look at the history as well, how did these people come into power? They came into power by murdering other people. But regicide, which is the act of killing a, a royal, is a criminal offence. But it's the only means of unseating them. You can go through democratic processes, but really they have so much pervasive power that goes through so many aspects of society that it's just completely overwhelming if you spend any time studying this. So I think it's beautiful and slightly naive for Bruce Damon to say that there are no power families in the world. These families have been going on for generations, and it's the ones we really don't know about that are friends with the likes of the Windsors and co. Yeah. It's just a social structure that exists and is very, very real. And, of course, there's all this conspiracy stuff and what have you and, you know, giving them various names and all this kind of stuff. I think there's actually stuff that's interesting within there, but you just start studying this and it really becomes... It's sickening. It's just sickening. There's no way you could have a new and flourishing modern society with the kinds of social controls these families still enact. And I think it's a problem that needs to be prefaced to a new generation, that these things exist, and these families have amazing control, and they send countries to war frequently, still. We're still having these things occur, because some level, the society, the working class, the folks that really hold all the power in terms of numbers, don't actively acknowledge that power in some very fundamental way. So this is a topic that I find interesting. It's a bit like the funding of 9-11. I think there's too much conspiracy nonsense. But if you actually look at it, there's a lot of really interesting stuff associated with giving a lot of money to a lot of very curious causes. Tom Barbelay in San Jose, signing out.